We all love meeting interesting people. Meet the Gurus is my adventure with you, traveling the world, connecting with people all over with different insights from technology and business, entrepreneurship and design, all sorts of things that help us understand what we do in our lives, our careers, and how we can be bigger and better, happier and more satisfied, all the things that we would like to achieve. Come join me. Okay, everyone, thank you very much for joining us. Today we have Hamid Qureshi and me, Paul Siegel, to talk about snowflake, uh, not the things that are coming down from the sky in some parts of the world where, where Hamid is actually on the southern hemisphere, or I'm, he's actually in, uh, I guess, the summer. I should be where the snow is, but I'm not right now. Um, and um, we're going to talk about the snowflake that is the huge data warehousing company that exploded in all of the best ways. Uh, about uh, in October, I think, of this year when it went public as a multi-billion dollar company um, with had, having raised uh, over a billion dollars of venture capital and understanding what is Snowflake, what's the hype, what's it all about, how do you get into understanding Snowflake, and what are the tools that underlie that massive engine. So before we do that, uh, let's uh, find out a little bit more about Hamid and what he's been doing and how he got into the tech field more overall and then how he's gotten so deep into big data. So Hamid, welcome. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, uh, we love the bridge behind you, which uh, is the Sydney Bridge, correct? Uh, yes, Paul. Well, thanks. Uh, yes, this is the Sydney Bridge. And uh, no chance of snow here today. So <laughs> it's almost like 35 degrees uh, already. And it's just the morning. Uh, it's just forgotten. It's a very hot day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no snow here. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I like to say, started in the other housing fields uh, back in 2006. So a very few companies, a very few people were doing data analytics and data warehousing at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I found myself lucky to actually be associated with the company at that time, mm -hmm. uh, which gave me a flavor of uh, its, its field. Uh, since then, I've never looked back. So both from friends to friends and um, continuously built on uh, this marvelous field, which is of data analytics and uh, data analysis. Um, so, ever, ever since Snowflake came into the horizon, uh, I've been sort of figuring uh, uh, with it and uh, understanding what what's the part all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I totally believe it is it is a radically different technology than uh, many other technologies in the market. Uh, and and that's why you see a lot of uptake of this uh, beautiful new platform. So tell me a little bit why, I mean, you know, uh, you skipped over, your tinkering is, is kind of an understatement. So I, I love when, when geniuses who are deep into a product say they're tinkering. <laughs> makes me feel quite small, by the way. No, no, <laughs> it makes me realize how little I know about anything. But no, what, what, what attracted you to big data? I mean, what, I mean obviously, it's a, today it seems all the rage. You were doing this years before uh, it was even called big data, per se. But so what, what, what was it about... Um, Massive amounts of information, you know, managed by huge companies, which you've done a lot of consulting for, sort of drove your interest. What was it, do you think? I think the, the field has uh, had a bit of both for myself. So I did love consulting and working with the business. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and, and at the same time, I love the technological aspect of that. So, you know, uh, the, the amount of data that we could turn to uh, within minutes uh, in a parallel manner that was just mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. uh, and then actually, you know, getting all the data. So I, I worked a lot with telecom industry at the very start, and they were the, you know, the massive data producers at that time. So right. Of, uh, 
gold data records coming in, even the raw records coming in, right. uh, which companies wanted processed and uh, you know some value taken out of that. So mm-hmm. like network quality analysis coming out of your raw signal data. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think about that, that when you're making a call, there's you know, a constant uh, signal that's being exchanged. Right. And based on that quality, you can actually determine whether a customer had bad quality or good quality call. Yep. And you can actually follow up in response. Right. So uh, getting all this data in and then uh, being able to actually show that on a real-time dashboard, that, that was like really exciting stuff back in 2006 as well. Right. Um, and, and that kept me engaged because you kept on producing value after value for the customer. Yeah, and you could actually... You know, and that, that, that what you're describing is, is often not just, you know, sort of analyzing the data after the fact and then, you know, weeks and months later making an improvement in your product. In the case of telecom, we've all had experiences and we think, you know, uh, they're not doing anything about that. But in fact, what you're describing is they're looking at that all the time in real time. And obviously, given the massive nature of the networks and, um, you know, the, the challenges are enormous. But um, so so it's really also about sort of you know going back to maybe some Jeff Bezos Jeff Bezos kind of comments you know it's always about the customer right taking the information and pushing it back and understanding what you can do with it so it's it, and in in telecom obviously you've been spent a lot of your time there what other fields have you touched in the big data arena that have sort of jumped out as you as uh, you know areas for opportunity I think pretty much every industry has. Uh, a lot of opportunity and it's just constantly coming up, you know, um, uh, over time, uh, big data has, uh, you know, the Hadoop platform came into the picture, there are a lot of streaming platforms came into the picture and that they have actually uh, drastically changed what you can do with uh, big data. So think about real-time marketing, mm-hmm. uh, you, you show up in ATM and, uh, and, I, and this was a very classic example, you know, so you show up in ATM and there's nothing in your account, right. but you need $50, right? right. Uh, and, and the ATM can take that intelligent decision right then and there that, oh, this is a loyal customer and has been giving us money you know, for right. And now, now I need to go $50 for a lookup and say, I'm going to give them that right. loan without any fee. Yep. Uh, if, if I'm ATM this, that to me, I am forever interested to the ATM and to the bank as well. Right? So right. I'm not a loyal customer. Yep. And, and again, similar. So um, if you look at the airline industry, there's a lot of those real time things. Uh, uh, I, for example, nowadays uh, get texts from my insurance company saying that there is a storm there, your car is there. So, interesting. If you want to do something about it, interesting. Get it, so, so, right. So, get hit by the data. Yeah. Uh, so, there's almost every, every uh, industry has that uh, use case where you can put data to use. Yeah, I was always imagining. I mean, I spent a lot. I spent a lot of my career in the finance and the banking field, and I was always amazed that relatively more recently, banks have begun to realize, you know, we should probably data mine, mining, mine the activity of a business account to help them understand where they're going. So it, instead of just using it to charge more fees, to say, boy, this company could be growing faster. It seems like the cash flow is, because they monitor that, obviously, and they do it for presumably maintaining all the proper securities in place. But... Um, so talk a little about Snowflake. Why Snowflake? What is Snowflake? And how does it differ? I guess so. Why Snowflake? What is it? What is it? What is Snowflake? Why Snowflake? And how is it different? I think if you look at the Snowflake uh, popularity and the uh, technical advantages that it brings, we probably have to go a little bit back uh, as well. So um, I think in, in the decade of 2000 to 2010, it 
was all about you know RBDNS and so the likes of Teradata, Oracle, uh, IBM, mm-hmm. is providing data warehouse services. And then uh, basically Hadoop started to take over, and it's, it's a beautiful technology, uh, but it required a lot of expertise to actually work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it brought a new flavor and took sort of the you know the existing patterns a little bit away. So uh, you no longer were doing SQL against Hadoop. Now you can, but at that time you weren't. Um, so slowly they built up, but it still stayed a bit clunky. Uh, a bit loosely fitting set um, of software. Now, um, and, and this obviously uh, ended up, you know, companies spending a lot of effort and resource on on um, that uh, that uh, platform. Now, at the same time, what has happened in the last three four years, the cloud has started to take over. Uh, mm-hmm. So everything is now being, you know, pushed into the cloud. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I think what Snowflake has done is. They have simplified the whole ecosystem. So signing up for, if I, if I look at it, just sign, signing up for the Snowflake instance is like uh, a dream for anyone who can sign up for a Gmail account or, or you know, uh, go sign up for, for example, on Starbase or for mm-hmm. a student account. Yeah. Uh, they can do so on Snowflake as well. It's like a four-click process, give your email, uh, choose a few things, and you're good to go. Yeah. So you're not bound by all the complexities of the Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. But at the same time, uh, despite that, uh, in, in addition to the ease, they have actually brought in a very unique architecture as well. And I think that's the, the unique selling point uh, where it's outshining at least the current collaboration that are there. Uh, so it has one decoupled the storage and the compute. Mm-hmm. And I mean, other, other developers have done that as well. But the way they have done that is, is quite different. And it brings about a lot of other features that other databases just cannot. So things like cloning, uh, that you know you create a copy of data without actually moving the data, mm-hmm. or or time travel, so you can go back in time and see your data as it existed, you know, uh, before you ran that uh, disaster disaster query that deleted everything, right? Mm. Uh, it, it's just beautiful because I know uh, I've had colleagues and myself as well. We have tables in production right. and have spent, have spent you know, two days trying to retrieve them from a backup and, and it's, it's uh, now breaking it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the time travel, you're like, okay, I dropped this last week, sorry, there's an undrop and the data is back. And when you refer to time travel, you're not talking about theory, you're talking about the product name or the, the feature name oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. called time travel, cleverly named, right? Yeah, it's an actual, actual feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, these things combined, they, they make it uh, really, really um, stand out from the from from the competition. And so you're talking uh, about this both from the perspective of someone who might be a consultant to companies who are using big data or implementing big data solutions, as well as um, as a uh, as a company themselves. So there's multiple multiple roles, right? Someone who's using it as a as a tool for the organization, and someone who's a consultant consulting. I mean, uh, that, that's a beautiful point. Yes, uh, so I think from uh, from a technical perspective as well as a consultant, when I go in and I say, okay, I'm going to implement a big data solution for you, uh, so there's a lot of flexibility for the implementer as well. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, someone who is like you know a role like a persona like data scientist or a uh, analyst, they actually can access this system just like they access any other system. So mm-hmm. they 
still get the same similar you know, SQL interface. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is beautiful because they don't have to change their name of course drastically. Mm-hmm. And they start getting value out immediately. So um, there's a bit of both for both the consultant as well as the end consumer as well. And when with Snowflake, there is no on-prem solution, right? There is only a cloud solution, right? So they don't have to maintain separate code bases or refactor platforms. It is a cloud solution. Uh, it, it is only a cloud solution, so there mm-hmm. is no on-prem version. Mm-hmm. I think the closest that comes to an on-prem is their BTC solution, but that's obviously still cloud-based, but it's uh, limited to a specific customer. So they stand up everything uh, for one customer if you have, you know, um, security conscious, so for example, you know, you're a defense client and you want your data absolutely in a different uh, silo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, they are um, purely cloud mm-hmm. and uh, they support the cloud platform, which are the popular ones at the moment, so the mm-hmm. AWS, Azure, and uh, Google Cloud Platform. So I was looking mm-hmm. at some of the the compensation levels. Uh, boy, I should have begun life as a, as a software engineer in Snowflake. Um, so software engineers with Snowflake average pay is 139.9, so 139,000 US dollars for those. Uh, senior software engineer at 160, uh, sales engineer 110,000, uh, uh, customer technical support engineer 105,000. These are not low number jobs. This is not a you know a job that you know one would shy away from. These are very substantial compensation roles, right? Oh, definitely. I think uh, these are very good numbers, and um, I, I think there is a reason because there's a lot of companies moving towards uh, that platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a lot of demand in that area at the so, moment, and I, I think that that demand will grow. Yeah. Uh, as more companies catch up, um, and they, they consider this as their platform of their own. Now tell me, tell me a little about. So I'm, I'm a dreamer. I think that I, I do know a fair amount about networks and let's say and, and, and data and data management. How do I get into understanding Snowflake? What is this? What's the learning path? What's the journey that you go on to become familiar with Snowflake? I think, I think the best way to learn anything is to actually uh, do it yourself, right? So you uh, go hands on. And as I said earlier, you know. Sign up for a Snowflake trial, so start right. with that free version that Snowflake offers. Right. Um, so they, they offer a 30-day trial, uh, which is fully functional, so you get to try all features. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first step. Uh, go in, get yourself familiarized with uh, you know, uh, the UI. Uh, it is similar to other databases, mm-hmm. uh, but has a variety of other features that you, um, you can slowly need to get yourself acquainted with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's the way to go. And then I think hands-on activities, so go in, um, you know, do some exercises, see how the data is moved in, mm-hmm. uh, learn the architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's a bit of a journey, but um, definitely uh, a worthwhile journey. And you, you have obviously four courses on our platform and more courses coming and more on, on Snowflake. Interestingly enough, obviously, as we, I think I've announced before, and you know, um, we are doing challenges on our platform. We're providing data sets so people can take those and use them on the platform. And you're, you're going to start offering um, on, the plat- on our platform challenges that they can, people can go out and actually do this on the snow, in the Snowflake environment. Can you talk a little about that and what your, what your thoughts about that are in terms of some of those challenges? Where are you going to take people from beginning to intermediate to advanced? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the, the best way to 
learn a platform is to slowly implement it with your uh, expertise uh, as you go. And I think the, one of the first things that I've seen uh, people interested in, uh, I think a lot of our engineers are interested in, in Snowflake. Uh, so the immediate interest is how do I get data into uh, Snowflake? Yeah. Uh, and the good thing is, as everything is cloud-based, it's relatively uh, easy to set up a challenge when you know, let's say, well, the car is sitting in uh, this cloud storage, mm -hmm. and you're going to load that data into Snowflake through these steps. You do those high-level steps, and, and at times you can uh, even give the actual SQL saying that, you know, this is what you will run, uh, and, and load the data. So there are, I mean, Snowflake supports so many data types, uh, and file types as well. Mm -hmm. um, so just from data loading perspective, there's like, I can think of maybe 10, 15 different challenges and exercises that you could undertake to right. understand how to load CSV data, how to load, you know, JSON data, Apache data, and, and even load data in a streaming manner. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a variety of things that you can uh, do there through those exercises. And, and you know, and I think, and whether it's for your own self-edification, uh, you know, I call, uh, uh, whether it's for your own self-edification or for demonstrating to your current employer or on a project you're working on or a new employer, I mean, there's no better way to demonstrate expertise than demonstrating you've done it and uh, building a project or building something, even if it's, you know, I think, I tend to think it's better to use data in the field that you're in. So if you can find some sanitized uh, uh, financial data and you're in the finance field or entertainment data and you're in the entertainment field, there are so many data sets out there that are free. And we, as I said, we'll be offering them on our platform. But there's from the University of California, Irvine, um, every major university has data sets for students, et cetera. So um, there's a lot that can be done. Talk a little about the, you know, the ETL. Talk about the process that many people are not familiar with when one, one looks at data you know, and a problem set, and then takes it from the problem set to cleaning it, you know, evaluating it, ingesting it, transforming it. Talk a little about that for someone who's not familiar with that process. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, as, as we've already, uh, you know, gone through the fact that Snowflake is purely a cloud uh, database, so as such, it supports moving from the cloud quite easily. Um, so the process that Funnily enough, the command to copy data is called copy, so it's so simple that you simply say uh, copy data from you know this location to that location. Uh, but obviously, that that command part there's a bit of preparation that goes into you know uh, getting data organized on your cloud bucket. So you don't want you know extra storage costs. So there are considerations, uh, extra processing costs as well. So there are considerations that you want to uh, make sure that you organize your data in a manner that you're only accessing that part that you actually need to load. Mm -hmm. So there are some considerations on that part, and, and then obviously you need to understand you know, uh, what sort of uh, the format of the file that you're, you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. And accordingly create your um, processing in, in that copy command. So if it's a JSON file, you need to sort of transform it from your unstructured or semi-structured format to a sort of relational format. Mm -hmm. Then there are other decisions to be done as well, whether you actually need that data move physically, mm -hmm. or um, Snowflake provides a concept called materialized view on top of your um, cloud storage itself. You actually get to access the data without even moving it, or, or an external table on top of that. So these are uh, different considerations that you would do 
that's why they just need mm-hmm. instead of data. Mm-hmm. Then once the data is, you know, you have access to the data, you you can query it inside uh, Snowflake. Mm-hmm. Then the next steps are transforming it. So there are other uh, methods in Snowflake through SQL and other uh, data pipelines through which you can actually transform that data into a desired format that your know, home can be used for reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a, a few things in those pipelines that uh, you have to go through uh, to get the data into the final picture that's usable by BI tools and by business machines. Mm-hmm. How, talk about those BI tools. I was just about to ask you about the visualization, and obviously there's Tableau. There's a whole bunch of other tools. Can you lay other Can you lay other visualization tools like a Power BI and others on top of Snowflake, or is Snowflake self-contained in that regard? So that when you want to start doing reporting and analytics and and visualizing that information, you would use Snowflake, or you might consider other platforms. So uh, I think a bit of both. So. Uh... Snowflake is actually uh, quite rapidly introducing uh, a new UI that's called Snowflake. Uh, so it's quite, uh, I, I would say, uh, quite uh, robust and quite mm-hmm. effective. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of processing on the client side, so on the browser itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means you're not hitting Snowflake every time you do a query. A lot of operations like sorting, like uh, grouping, and, and actually creating visualization simple visualizations out of that data can be done just from Snowflake. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a dashboard capability as well, so you can create some basic dashboards uh, right there in the Snowflake Snowflake interface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, uh, it's, it's in early stages, and if you're uh, you know, tied to using tools like Microsoft BI or Tableau, uh, you can definitely connect with the JDBC connector. Mm-hmm. It's just like connecting to any other database. Mm-hmm. Uh, no difference from there. Uh, you have a JDBC driver, configure it, connect, pull, pull the table, you know, create the model, and actually say, well, this is coming from Snowflake. Yep. So uh, quite, quite straightforward. Which, which do you think? I mean, where, where? I mean, you, you describe it as being a bit in the earlier stage. So do you think it's, you know, uh, you know, without disrespecting Snowflake, is there? Do you feel that there is it ready for the prime time? That kind of analytics that you would want to do for a major client, or is it still that you'd rather use? Other tools uh, at the at as we sit here in you know uh, January of 2021. I think I'll have to look at the Snowflake uh, roadmap for that. Mm-hmm. So maybe not try for me to comment, but I, right. think, I, I personally think that their uh, objective is to actually facilitate the uh, analyst role mm-hmm. and, and people who are you know just business people doing quick analysis mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, so. They don't have to go out of Snowflake to uh, do another expensive tool, so they can do it right then and there. Mm-hmm. But I think for some of those, uh, um, you know, a picture perfect dashboards and um, other things, you might still have to go to other um, tools at this point at least. Yeah, uh, but we'll see how it evolves. Yeah. Right. I mean, the you know, the, the, we always think, you know, at least from my perspective, I always think of the the roles. There's so many people's roles in technology, right? They're the people who are, you know, on the keyboard. They're the analysts. They're the people who are doing more of a strategic thinking. They're people who have to consume the data. So obviously, many of these tools are beginning to have to cater to more than, you know, one audience. Obviously, so so I'm just saying that I ask the question not so much to be critical on any level, but to understand because it seems like those things are so evolutionary for every organization, right? And it's constantly under change. And um, 
So what what other? I mean, you've you've had um, Snowflake's not the only tool in the world for big data, obviously. What other experiences? I know you you've been a guru in the in the Tableau world. How does that? You know, how do how do you? What's your experience of Tableau? What do you like? What are the things that you you know that that you think are comparatively even stronger than the Snowflake tools that you've you know you've been using? What do you what do you think about Tableau? I guess overall. So, so Tableau is, uh, I think it's more of a data visualization kind of thing rather than, you know, uh, number crunching. You can definitely pull in large data sets inside Tableau, but it's uh, still, uh, at the end of the day, a PI tool. Mm -hmm. It's not meant for massive deep element processing. But I think from the perspective of the visualizations that it offers, it's definitely best in class. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, Tableau and Power BI probably are going um, like a neck at this point. But yeah, I mean, they're different um, tools, uh, so different genres than Snowflake. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, sorry, good, I'm sorry, good. Yeah, I think the other tech that is coming up, so uh, Databricks has got uh, the Databricks data lake, or uh, uh, that's, uh, right. that, that's something that is bringing certain features uh, similar to Snowflake, so it's actually called Delta Lake. Mm -hmm. uh, which is bringing features that uh, were missing in the lake, uh, lake previously, so you are able to update data in a similar concept. And, and because they are using uh, a way to update data behind the scenes, they also are bringing concepts like time travel, although mm -hmm. they are uh, up with, uh, differently um, executing that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's one possible uh, solution that's coming into the market at the moment. Mm -hmm. We're, and, and in terms of, again, often people go into, you know, a, a field and they say, you know, I really can't prove myself unless I've got a certification. What about the certifications that, you know, that the Snowflake has been offering and, and uh, there are more of them coming. I've seen uh, quite a few. Where um, is, they, they obviously have a roadmap and we have, we'll have shortly uh, starting at the beginning of Jan uh, February, uh, a lot of the learning paths uh, articulated on our platform. Where where do you where do you think that uh, they stand in terms of value to the user, meaning you know versus just knowledge and practical expertise? Do you think that uh, there's a huge amount of value in those certifications? I mean, in terms of having one under your belt. I think, I think definitely uh, there is a lot of value. So uh, Snowflake offers six certifications at this point. So there's a base certification which is called Snow Pro course. So it's it's as they say it goes too deep. A mile wide, so mm -hmm. it covers the breadth of the topic. It does not go into the detail of everything, it does go into detail of two things, mm -hmm. uh, but it gives you a full set view of what the, the platform is capable of. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, certification is possibly for everyone uh, that is dealing with the platform, so every persona, so mm -hmm. uh, your architects, your developers, your data scientists, your BAs, they all need to know how does this operate. Right. Uh, so that's definitely a very good starting point. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, there's the advanced track of the certification that kind of goes deeper into each persona. So you've got the advanced architect track, so that's one certification. You've got the data scientist certification mm -hmm. and SQL, so SQL analyst certification, uh, DBA certification. And I think each of them uh, holds value in itself. Because I'm a, I'm a strong believer in uh, one thing that uh, you can have a very great platform, great data platform, and you can bring it to your extreme by not using it correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, so right. um, if you know what you're doing, 
That's interesting. I mean, you've been very insightful. I mean, you've, you've run courses for us on Snowflake, and I think that the audience that you've uh, taught was extremely appreciative. You know, you know the subject, both you can provide that kind of strategic overview verbally, visually. You've done kind of, I, I was actually overwhelmed with the quality of the, the slide presentation. I thought you might have been a graphic artist in a former life. <laughs> but that, but then deep, deep dive into the, 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 the the substance of the showing and how and building and helping people do. So talk, one thing I, I, you mentioned in that class, um, but also was an important thing to understand, and we always, I want to sort of wrap up with this, is the, is the cost structure. You know, Snowflake can be expensive. You know, you're, one of your facilitators in this program also mentioned that you, know, you can go bankrupt if you leave it running at the wrong level, at the, you know, at the fullest uh, power um, without knowing it. So what, you know, one of the just things to, to wrap up with is sort of the business side. How does one think about Snowflake uh, in terms of cost and in terms of managing cost? What do you, what's the best way to look at this and the best way to approach this if you're, let's just say, less experienced and need to be aware that you might run up a big bill and lose your job for having run up that big bill pretty quickly? So what's the best way to do that as a, as a person new in the field relatively? Yeah, so uh, Snowflake actually provides uh, those accounts and resource monitors that you can set up. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can actually set up an upper limit and say, I don't want to go beyond that limit. Mm -hmm. and you can set alerts along the way. So, okay, I've used 50% of my budget, and you can send an alert saying that, okay, you use 50% of your budget in one day or whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. So you can be alert of what, what has happened, right? Um, the other thing I think that's really beautiful is each of the computer engines, uh, you can stand up computer engines for different departments and actually say, here's your computer engine and you are going to be paid for this. So Departmental level. The cost at, at, at that level yeah. Wow, so that's great. Down to the department level. Uh, doesn't mean that you're actually expecting cost, but at least they know that this is what we have done and we have to sort of pay for that. So there's, there's a variety of uh, things that you can do quite flexible in that sense. So not not uh, trivial. Not trivial. I mean, there, you know, a lot of people tend to think of it as that's the accountant's problem, but it becomes <laughs> it becomes your problem if you can't make the data and the, you know segment the usage in a way that that, that is clearly accountable for from the business point of view. Uh, definitely. So you have to think about how you structure, uh, how you isolate all these computer engines, and what's the best case. You know, so you, it, it's it's very simple to say, okay, I'm going to charge data for this and finance for this and marketing for this. Right. Uh, but maybe if you actually keep everything together for the overall organization, it's less fifty percent less cost. Right. Uh, so it's not something that you simply say just a rule of thumb, just go ahead and uh, give everyone their own. Right. Computer. So it, it requires thought, and that's where I think the sort of solution architecture rule comes into it. Where they look into that and say, well, here's the best thing that you should do. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today. Uh, again, we'll see you and hopefully all the people watching and students online on our platform. Thanks, Paul. Happy to see you.